Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm not going to call plays, no. And if I, I might, if I decide to, I will. I'm not, uh, you know, but we're, we're, uh, we're going to let Bill go ahead and continue to do what he's been doing a great job at this whole time, you know, so we'll, we'll have a little fun out there. It's the pregame show. We've got Olin Krutz and Patrick Manley. That is the voice of Matt Nagy. He's not calling plays eh, unless he wants to. We are uh, delighted to welcome in Chris Thomason. He's with the St. Paul Pioneer Press covering the NFL, covering the Vikings, and he joins us on the Score Hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Chris, good morning. How are you? Doing great. An honor to join you. I'm here at the site of the lame duck bowl between Matt Maggie and Mike Zimmer, <laughs> so uh, we'll be starting here in about an hour. <laughs> Well, I mean, here's the deal. Like, I get it. You know, Mike Zimmer, Chicago guy, made good. I'm not going to badmouth him. But um, you're right about lame duck. Is is Chris Spielman in trouble? And Chris used to be here, well-known to everyone uh, doing this particular show here, a good man. Uh, Ryan Pace apparently not in trouble. So how much of a lame duck bowl is it? Well, Chris Spielman's in Detroit, and he's doing just great. But uh, Rick Spielman. They're the same person, Chris. They're the same person. Yeah. <laughs> There's been, uh, you know, a lot of speculation uh, that it's, it, it sounds like he's definitely going to r- remain, at least, you know, uh, as of tomorrow. We'll still be employed by the Vikings. There's been, you know, speculation he possibly could be kicked up to – an upstairs type job or something along those lines. There, there's uncertainty there, but uh, I mean, you, I'm sure the Vikings feel they can't just uh, gas the coach and the general manager in the same day. And then there's really not anybody to hire a new coach. Obviously uh, you don't want to get some of your preferred candidates hired by other teams. So somebody's got to steer the ship and there's really nobody. If, Rick Spielman was let go as general manager tomorrow. There's really nobody else 
in-house right now. And the Wilfs, while they're top-notch owners, they're uh, not football expertise-type guys. So, yeah, I think, you know, Rick is safe for now. But in terms of what his uh, responsibilities will be down the road, entering the draft, free agency, what have you, I think that's still up in the air. You know, Chris, um, looking at the Vikings drafts, and we talk about Rick Spielman, over the last four years he's tried to fix that offensive line. And while not a terrible group, not a dominant group, if you're going to spend uh, four picks in the first two rounds on the offensive line, what have you seen? Because in Chicago we're always trying to develop, and it seems like we're always trying to develop an offensive line and get an offensive line that can dominate a game. What have you seen from guys like Garrett Bradbury, uh, Ezra Cleveland, and Brian O'Neill, and, and now this year Darisol, that you think they could have done better in Minnesota to help these guys develop? Well, I don't think the offensive line has been a huge issue this year. I mean, the problem has been the defense, which is ranked 31 in the NFL in total defense out of 32 teams. As for the uh, offensive line, I mean, it's been much maligned in recent years, but it's kind of uh, forming into shape here. I mean, they gave a huge contract extension to Brian O'Neill drafted a few years ago in the second round. He certainly panned out at right tackle. Left tackle, uh, Christian Darrisaw showing good signs as a rookie. Ezra Cleveland, left guard, was a good pick last year. Uh, you mentioned Garrett Bradbury. You know, he's been up and down, lost his job in the middle of the season to Mason Cole. So he's an issue moving forward. I don't think he's the Vikings' long-term center. And then, you know, right guard was where they had some issues. They eventually moved Mason Cole over there, but he's now on IR. So I think moving forward, they've got enough building blocks on the offensive line where it's not a major issue. All right, Chris, you mentioned that's the lame buck, uh, lame duck bowl. If both coaches are gone, and I asked Dan Pompey this question about the attractiveness of the Minnesota job, because if these two coaches are gone, this is the place where coaches, you know, are going to figure out which place is better, which place they want to go to. How attractive is that job in Minnesota with the pieces, kind of what you're talking about there, with the pieces that are set? Well, I think they would probably, for their next coach, go to an offensive-minded coach to take advantage even more so of some of the weapons they have on offense. But uh, a lot depends on the future of Kirk Cousins. I mean, if an experienced, high-profile former head coach takes the job, he's probably going to want to know who his quarterback is. And if they tell him that it indeed will be Kirk Cousins, he's under salary next year for $35 million, $45 million cap number, then I think you can get one of those guys. But if they say there's uncertainty on Cousins, they might trade them. And, and then also if they're looking to bring in, you know, a, a more of a novice coach who's never been a head guy before, you know, and, and go on the Chiefs, maybe they go that route. I think it kind of depends a little bit on uh, the future Cousins, maybe what type of head coach they uh, bring in i i think he's got to stay right if it's 45 million doesn't that mean that you'd be hit with that if you trade him how do you how could they i know they're in salary cap hell but how do you how do you get rid of the guy it's almost like he's got the 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 size of that contract is so uh outrageous that you can't get rid of him well most people i've talked to think it would be hard to trade him straight up 35 million that maybe right. the Vikings would have to 
pick up $10 million of that salary. I could see a team that thinks they're one quarterback away from winning the Super Bowl and could possibly, you know, like a New Orleans type or somebody of that nature, Pittsburgh. Maybe not Pittsburgh because they're kind of more homegrown type oriented, but a team that feels it's one quarterback away could maybe take on the contract for $25 million, and then the Vikings would pay $10 million and they already have the $10 million, you know, off the signing bonus. So they would incur... $20 million of, of dead of dead money, so they would at least save $25 million. Wow. You know, Chris, we're looking at here uh, getting a new offense, I mean, a new head coach and offensive coordinator would be interesting if they hired a defensive coordinator. And obviously the Shanahan-Kubiak uh, scheme uh, is, is the thing now around the NFL. How has Clint Kubiak done uh, in his first year as offensive coordinator? Have you been impressed with him? And could he be an option for a defensive coach to hire a guy to run his offensive side of the ball? Well, I mean, usually in these things, you you go sometimes the other way you went before. I mean, if you look at the Wilf ownership group, they had Brad Childress, offensive coach. When they fired him, they brought in Leslie. Uh, well, I guess they did have two straight defensive coaches. I mean, the Vikings haven't had an offensive coach since, Brad Childress and you know their last super memorable season uh, excluding 2017 was the Brett Favre year in 09 under Childress I don't know about I, I wasn't sure if Clint Kubiak was ready this year to be the offensive coordinator it was his first year as a play caller Gary Kubiak some believe kind of maneuvered things retired so that his son would take over for him and uh he had some good starts to games because he could rely on Gary Kubiak, his father, for scripting the plays to start games, et cetera. But as the games went on and there was nobody, you know, live that could help him on the, on the headset, I mean, they kind of struggled. So I, don't, I wouldn't foresee him being the offense coordinator next year. Well, speaking of coaches, Chris, I think, did you cover Leslie Frazier? Maybe your first year on the beat? Yeah, I had one uh, year with Fraser. Then what What would your thoughts or maybe some of your colleagues' thoughts on him potentially, because it's a name here in Chicago people are talking about, potentially coming back and being a head coach again in the NFL. What were the thoughts about him in Minnesota? I think he's deserving of a, of a second chance. I mean, I thought he overall uh, he led the team to the playoffs in 2012, and that was with Christian Ponder. And we all saw that he wasn't much of an NFL quarterback i mean things kind of uh faltered at the end uh with his defense and 2013 was his last season they lost a ton of heartbreaking games just to start the year but with the job he's done in buffalo and what have you i think he's definitely i don't know where it might be but he definitely is deserving of a second chance and total class guy and would, would represent a franchise well Great stuff. Thanks, Chris. We really appreciate your time. Thank you. That is Chris Thomason from the St. Paul Pioneer Press. And, uh, yeah, there is a game today, so we'll see how that happens. Um, you know, I would imagine Darnell Mooney needing 71 yards. They'll figure out a way to get him 71 yards. Uh, it seems they tried to get uh, Cole Komet a touchdown. Maybe they tro- throw to him during the game to try to get him a touchdown, <laughs> not in the final two minutes. Um, you maybe know, he throwing, catches who's, it. Who's throwing yeah. the pass? <laughs> maybe he catches it. Maybe they have a quarterback <laughs> throw it to him. I don't know. But I, I'm curious, guys. You know, 
I think of Minnesota, I think of the old building and going in there and, and they would give you um, they would give you those uh, earplugs so that you weren't deafened because you're kind of outside uh, in the press box. There's like a really low-hanging thing. You, you had to watch your stuff. People would reach over and steal a notebook. They want your secret thoughts. Um, <laughs> but I'm curious, when you hear like the Viking horn, does your skin crawl? What, what are your oh. memories of uh, playing in that horrible building? Oh. Listen, right. it, it was tough, Go man. Ahead. It was tough when John Randall uh, was on that turf. Chris Dolman, Jerry Ball, uh, that was my first introduction uh, to the Minnesota Vikings and that horn and a guy on the motorcycle and the Viking coming yeah. out. And then yeah. I walked out to warm up and John Randall's face was painted uh, in pregame and he was doing 100-yard sprints screaming uh, and staring at you and uh, uh, calling people's wives' names while we lined up at the line of scrimmage. Uh, and then he, uh, he yelled at me one day. He said, Olin, and, and I turned around and looked and he was doing a Samoan slap dance. So, And I told him, I said, John, I'm – not Samoan, so that doesn't really pertain to me at all. But uh, it, it was it was just a great place to play. And they had that great offense, right? Uh, Randall Cunningham, uh, Chris Carter, Randy Moss, Robert Smith. Uh, they had a great offensive line that I used to love watch play. Oh, the old center, Jeff Christie, uh, was a really good player. So uh, they had a, a really good football team, a lot of memories up there. Uh, even as we got better and went on, you know, Brett Favre ended up up there. So, uh, it was a tough place to play. It is loud, like you said, Mullen, and, and, and sometimes you can't even hear the quarterback call the play. Uh, you're always on silent count. Their defense line has always come at you at that turf, and that's kind of the reason why I want to see those young tackles today, if at all possible, Coach Nick. I know you want to have fun. I, I know it's all about you and your career, and you finish your 35 and 30, but if all possible, I'd like to see some of these young players develop. Yeah, well, and you, and you brought up the names of that offense, man. I remember our rookie year playing up there, their offense was announced, you know, for the for the, the the team to come out, and every name was just bigger and better than everybody. And by the end of it, it was so loud I couldn't even hear my own name. You say your own name out loud in front of you, and I was like, wait a minute, it's going to be this loud during the game, if not louder. That place was just that to me is the loudest stadium I've ever been in. Just with that team that year, that kind of environment, who they were that year, and how good they were. And yeah, that was a Ragnar was the the Viking that would drive around and look at you and growl at you. And that darn horn, if I hear that horn, literally my skin crawls. That's that's the worst football sound I've ever been around. They played it way too much. It was awful. Um, and the other thing, Olin, is that locker room. That old baseball locker oh, room up there gosh. was awful. Yeah. So it was, we're in little baseball stalls, not enough lockers, too small, big giant 300-pounders moving around. It was not a fun place to play. But I will say this, it wasn't too bad during a season like this when it was the last game of the year and you got to play indoors instead of playing outdoors. Hey, Molly, I remember we used to do uh, old school. got asked Dave Wanset about this too, but uh, they would put the two centers, me and Casey Wigman, on kickoff return. So I was a wedge guy. And this was before they had the rules where you can't wow. blow everybody up and they didn't move the ball up and all that kind of stuff. So I'm a starting center and this guy come running double R4, which Pat Manley knows well. Yep. Uh, and this guy comes here down there and just blows me up, man. I remember looking at Chris Valero in the huddle saying, I can't feel my arm, so I don't know how I'm going to really snap the ball here. But uh, And then Greg Blotch said the practice the next day that uh, he yelled at me, Olin, the guy who hurt you is two steps from Kmart. So uh, that that was a, a, a lesson for me uh, up there at Minnesota, man. It, it was just – and, you know, of course, you have to mention all those years um, – Played against the Williams brothers, right? Pat Williams and oh, Kevin God. Williams, Jared yeah. Allen. Uh, they were just always tough. Pat, uh, probably the 
you know, besides Casey Appleton and Ted Washington, probably the best nose guard I played against and had to play against him twice a year on that turf with the crowd noise. He was an absolute handful. Wow. Olin, what's your pick for this game? Um, yeah, let, let's pick the Bears. Let's just pick the Bears. Last one going out. Uh, they probably won't win today, so let's pick them anyway. But, uh, you know, Coach Nagy, hopefully he'll play the young guys. Uh, we'll get to see him. Uh, if he doesn't, well, uh, you know, that's his parting gift to me. So, uh, not today, Coach Nagy. I'm not going to yell about you today. Uh, I'm going to give you your win, 35-30. and 30. Uh, Hopefully the Bears have a good game. All righty, great stuff. We'll get Patrick's pick in just a little bit. It is the pregame show. It is uh, presented by Bet Rivers, the official sports book of the Chicago Bears. Download that Bet Rivers app today. I've been told that Matt Nagy has been told that he will not be retained. So he's now, been told. He's been told. He knows. He knows he's not coming he knows. back. That you know, and uh, that that to me came through a uh, a very very uh, tight and good source. Salt. Yep. And uh, you know, I, I go on the score every Monday out there. And talk with uh, Matt and Danny. Yeah, Danny Parkins, one of the old timers, right? And uh, you know, and Danny's been all over Matt Nagy for I would say a good I don't know fourteen out of the sixteen weeks. Sure, of course. And you know, they all want Justin Fields, and of course, Justin Fields get hurt. And Justin Fields plays good, and you know, shows some flashes. of uh, Boomer Esiason, and I believe he um, he was nicknamed Boomer because he would uh, kick his mother so much when he was uh, in utero uh, before he was born. So lost his mom at an early age. The nickname stuck, and Boomer says um, that he's been told that uh, Matt Nagy knows his fate already. Matt Nagy was asked about it. He said that uh, he hasn't been told, and... Um, he says that uh, that if you want to get an answer, he's the best source. You can come to him. And uh, the media has been asking him every week, basically, since uh, Thanksgiving when he was rumored to be fired uh, at that point, and that was after a five-game losing streak. And, you know, it's, it's not – I take no joy in the conversation, but I do think that it's, it's not like someone getting – losing an occupation that's that's you know kind of working for a living right they're not paying him $15 an hour it's not a minimum wage job it's a lot of money and it's generational wealth and his family will be taken care of you worry uh, a little bit more for some of the guys working with him mm-hmm. and um I, I wonder he said some really nice things about Sean Desai and you know you you it's nice that you say nice things about the people that worked with you but I don't know how much it resonates when you get to the end of a season because, as I recall, they were going to fire him uh, because first there was the Pittsburgh game where they gave up the lead at the end. Then they lost at home to Baltimore where, again, touchdown scored at the end of the game determined the fate of the Bears. So I, I, um, I wonder what's your take on – that particular idea that, that he's been told or not been told, and, and what about the future of, of a guy like Sean Desai, who it, it yeah. just had his first year as, and has survived a lot? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one about him being told. So this one is interesting dynamic to me because with the new two-week window of being able to interview people and, and do that kind of stuff, is there something behind closed doors where they said, listen, we're going to try to get ahead of it. We're going to tell you we're fired. So when it does come out, 
we did tell you you're fired, but now we're still going to interview some possible candidates for you to come in. Please don't say anything. Did that happen? I don't know. I mean, you might know better to me than following the Bears and covering the Bears. Would they ever do that? Would a coach ever, you know, go out there? And he basically lied to the media saying, no, I have not been told I fired. But is that something he did for the good of the Bears? I don't know. I don't think he would. But, um, you know, who do you trust? Do you trust Boomer Siasen or do you trust Matt Nagy? Or do you trust the, I, I just don't know what's going on. So that one to me is just interesting with the new rules and how you could work around it. Um, and maybe he just said, you know what, I'll just tell him you haven't fired me. Maybe that's what he's doing. I don't know about that one. That, that to me is just very, very interesting. If that is what it is, and if he is fired, I'm hoping the Bears did that. I'm on record for saying that, that they need to be out there already talking to people because you on these Zoom calls, you might not find the person you want, but I think you can find the person you don't want, the one that doesn't fit, the one that doesn't interview well, the one that just is not the future. So with that being said, I, that's one I just don't know really what's going on. And as far as Sean Desai, he's a rookie. I just I break him down as a rookie, and he's a young coach in this league, and he's moved up really quickly. And, yeah, you're right, those two games giving up the late touchdowns hurt. Uh, it started off early in the season with the Rams, with the blown coverages early that shouldn't happen. Um, but – I think as a rookie and my true evaluation of him, I think he's done a decent job as the season's gone along. I think he's worked well with the pieces that he's had and the pieces he doesn't have and the COVID issues going on with guys going in and out. Um, I would love to be in a building and really understand how difficult it is as a player and or a coach to work a week when you're just virtual, when you really just have these right. walkthroughs and you right. can't do – your way of coaching, the old school way of coaching, of really getting the time on the field, getting the extra walkthroughs, the in-person time. I really would like to know how hard that is to to do that, even if you're a veteran coach. I mean, veteran coaches, it might be harder because they're not used to this new stuff. And yes, maybe year two, you've grown into it. But being a young coach who really hasn't had time in front of a team, um, you know, being the voice and then getting practice time together with the guys, that's got to be extremely difficult. But overall, I mean, his numbers, they're not terrible. Um, but I think he has grown. And I think the last few weeks, it's the talent as well he's gone against. You know, the Giants game, thats they're not, a, they're not an NFL football team right now. They've quit. They're done. Anybody can – I could go out there and could have called just simple coverages and no blitzes and won that game. Um, but he did draw up some good blitzes and confused Mike Glennon, which I guess isn't hard to do. But so my overall answer about him is that um, – I got to give him like a C, a C plus. It's a passing grade as a rookie. It's nothing great. Nothing really stood out. I think the one play that everybody stood that stands out is the one where he had DHC come into the line, pick the guard and get the, get the free sack that way. And there are some blitzes he had as well with Roquan Smith that I thought were timely to confuse some of the protections. Um, but overall, I, I, I've got to give him a C to a C plus. And I think he might have a future in the NFL going forward. Does he have a future with the Bears? That's up to the next GM and next head coach. Um, but I definitely think he's he's proven his worth in the NFL at the level he, he, he got a chance to get up to as the uh, defensive coordinator. Yeah, it, it's interesting to, to, you know, to keep in perspective the change in schedule because I think they failed to do that with uh, during the six-game losing streak last year, and then you come back and you end up winning eight games total and, and wind up in the playoffs and you somehow – uh, view that as accomplishment when it wasn't. You know, no. you the, the schedule changed. You play some bad teams at the end, and and you won some games at the end of the year, and that allowed you to get to, to eight wins. But they they didn't uh, take that into account. So clearly, that was an error. Um, but I understood last year that with COVID and all the rest of it, and and now we're talking. You, you brought that up again. I you know, 
it, it had to be extremely frustrating to go through those uh, protocols and have players, you know, the uncertainty of guys kind of going in and out of the lineup. It's just that other teams have went, gone through it too. Yes. And and that's the problem is that, you know, you still lost 10 games. Yeah. Um, I think with, with Desai in particular, um, I don't know how many – other organizations would have hired him, frankly. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that that means that he's done pretty well for himself and he should have an opportunity. But I, I don't think it's here. And I think even if you bring in an offensive-minded coach, I think they will know someone and want to make a change or whatever it might be. So it would surprise me if uh, he was back. I think that th- the same holds true with the offensive staff. I think the only guy is Chris Tabor because yes. I think – he is very good at what he does, and I think that, you know, again, he's a guy that Green Bay could easily come for, and they would be so much better. It's, it's beyond belief. Um, so I think the Bears have to be aware of that. But it's, you know, you, you can't hire people and tell them they have to keep a guy. Not, not in these days. Not, this, Sean Desai is not Buddy Ryan. He's not, you know, Vic right. Fangio. He's not a guy no, that no, 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 has no. to stay. I mean, it's just not the case. No, and I, I don't know, in my opinion, too, I think that there would be better defensive coordinators out there that you could go grab to fill some spots. But like I said, I thought he's done a pretty good job. And you had a great point. I don't think he would have been really hired anywhere else if he hadn't been in Hallis Hall as long as he's been. And then as far as Chris Tabor, excuse me, as far as Chris Tabor, and yes, I'm good buddies with him, known him for years, but I also know a bunch of other special teams coaches in the NFL who high, or he is highly respected to go against. They don't like his game plans because he's difficult. They don't like his schemes because he's difficult, But they res, and they respect the heck of him as a coach. And as far as a GM or the Bears or whoever, um, when they hire the next GM or whoever, and they say, hey, hey, head coach, I would just say, just make sure you give this guy a little extra look. Just make sure you do a little more... Uh, digging on this guy because he's pretty darn good. This is the way he is in the building. We've enjoyed working with him. But go out and make sure you do a little extra digging and maybe just give him an interview. You don't have to hire him, but just give him an interview because you might not know a whole lot about him and he might open your eyes. But to me, he's he's one of the top special teams coaches in the league and keeps working his butt off. And 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 that would be, you're right, the one to, to warrant the opportunity to be back. And I hope he is because I really like him, obviously, but I like his schemes. I like what he's done. Um, it seems like he's put a pro bowler in the into the pro bowl almost every year. Yeah. You know, Cordell yeah. Patterson went in as a returner. Yes. But also right. went in as a coverage man. You know, right. you got Jakeem Grant in again. So, uh, he does a nice job with those guys. They're very solid. There's no big game losing plays, no big egregious errors. Um, and what I love too, is he gets the guys to buy into the system. I want to follow up your point about green Bay. And I know this for a fact in green Bay, they do not put emphasis on their special teams. And that starts up top. Guys have told me when they're in that building, it's all about Aaron Rodgers and that offense and then the defense and then special teams is an afterthought where I think Chris Tabor with his personality and the way he gets a room, he makes sure that people buy into special teams. Like I think I told you earlier in the year that even Roquan Smith, who's not on special teams, enjoys going to the meetings, enjoys sitting in there with the guys, that he's that kind of coach. Um, and maybe I'm giving his resume out there for everybody listening, but I just think he's that good and and one thing is, I hope they throw up a fake today. They need to do that. Just entertain me a little bit more. That's the way I started the show today. <laughs> entertain me. Get, get, you've been running fakes all year long. You've been practicing. The guys deserve to run one. You know, I, I got to tell you, I I expect that Matt Nagy is going to pull out all the stops. I, I think that he's kind of, you know, he's a guy trying to build his resume. He's a guy that has struggled to score 
uh, you know, the play we saw in the final two minutes, first of all, I thought that was bad sportsmanship last week. Yes. Yeah. I thought you had won the game, and then what, do you, what the hell are you doing throwing a wildcat jump pass to try to get the tight end a, 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 a touchdown? It, it bothered me because I thought if I was on the other sideline, boy, that would really – I want to make up for that at some point or other. I mean, that's just – that's piling on a little bit for a team that clearly – uh, had quit, so maybe we're going to hit all these statistical achievements. So I didn't like it. I just didn't. The timing of it was wrong. Yeah. I just I'm not I'm not a wildcat guy. But at any rate, I think that we're going to see every fake, every anything they've worked on for the last couple of years. I would imagine they're going to pull out all the stops. It's just the nature of the guy. It's his last go round, mm-hmm. and he's probably got some. You know, they had that fantastic play uh, that that New Orleans ended up adapting last year, where they did the. Uh, I think the uh, wide receiver dropped the ball in the end zone. They could have scored a touchdown. Oh, right, right, and that, right. then you saw that right away in the playoffs, another team yep. running it because it's a hell of a play. So I'm sure we'll see all that stuff. It's just I just think that's the nature of the person. I, I, I agree. And like Denver did it yesterday with the wide receiver. I forgot who threw the pass. They pulled that thing out. But <laughs> I, it's, it's kind of like maybe you want to give it to the guys. Like they spent all this time working on it, maybe coming up with it, drawing up, going to coach. Hey, what about this? Let's do it. But – Minnesota might be doing the same thing. So this could just be a very entertaining game with fakes galore, uh, wide receivers throwing passes, whatever going on, flea flickers, all that kind of stuff. So um, who knows? I mean, it's going to empty the playbook will be my guess today. What did you think of Nagy saying, I believe it was Monday, maybe Tuesday, where he talked about, it was Monday, uh, he talked about how the plan was for Andy Dalton to start the whole year. And that, you know, Andy Dalton, you know, Justin Fields wasn't going to get on the field until the end of the uh, of the season. And that was the plan. And then Andy got hurt. and The plan changed. If that was the plan, then why wasn't Nick Foles the backup? I I didn't understand the logic of what he was saying, that Hmm. they weren't going to, you know, they were going to go with Andy all year long. And then Fields would, you know, might get this game, basically, is what he was effectively saying. I I didn't get that. If if you didn't want to play him. And if you thought it was really important to, then why are you paying ten million a quarterback? And what's the other guy doing on the roster? Yeah, that just—I think that started to me in the preseason when they didn't give any reps to him and the, with the ones. I just, yeah. when you draft a guy that high, even if you feel like he's not ready or uncertain, you got to give him a chance. Let him start to see if he is ready. He, a, a flip, uh, you might flip the switch. He might just figure it out, or you might find something that that really works. I mean, like we we talked about it before that. In, in New England with Cam Newton and Mac Jones, you gave him an opportunity to win the job. And look what happened. He's turned out to be a pretty darn good rookie quarterback. And I really think those reps are that valuable early in the season. It just you, you find that cohesiveness with your center, obviously your receivers, everybody. And then you can prove, you can truly prove to the team whether you're good enough or not good enough and that it's Andy Dalton's team. And you take that, you take that question out. You take that question out from us and you take that question out from the team. Because I think, guys, you heard... When, when Justin Fields got the starting job, you heard a lot of quotes from guys talk about how dynamic he was in camp at practice and preseason and things like that. But if you give him a chance to run with the ones and you see it not working out, that he's just not ready yet, you take that question out for the rest of the team, and then you make it more comfortable, I think, for everybody else. And I think that's where Matt Nagy made the mistake. Great stuff. All right, we're going to get Patrick's pick on the game when we come back. It's the pregame show. It's here on the score. Olin Krutz, Patrick Manley, presented by Bet Rivers, the official sports book of the Chicago Bears. Go ahead, download that Bet Rivers app today. You know, any job or, or situation that you're in, you become really close to the people you work with every day. 
you know, especially the hours and the time that naturally comes with our profession. Um, I think those relationships, when you go through really good times or you go through adversity, you just, you lean on those bonds. And that's something that I really value and appreciate with, with our relationship. And Matt's approach, Jeff, his, his approach, his leadership, it's just who he is. And I think it's really evident with how hard our team is playing down the stretch right now. I think that says a lot about Matt uh, and I'm proud of that. It's the pregame show with Ole Kruitz and Patrick Manley presented by Bet Rivers, the official sports book of the Chicago Bears. That's Matt Nagy. Download that Bet Rivers app today, by the way. That's Matt Nagy. Excuse me. That's Ryan Pace talking about his relationship with Matt Nagy. First of all, he sounds like he's congested. It makes you a little concerned. Maybe you should stay home from today's game. Um, but yeah, very interesting. Very interesting take. Do you hear a difference in the way he refers to the coach and the way he talks about their relationship? Uh, not really. I just, you know, I think that's just kind of GM speak, the way yeah. that, you know, they kind of finish it off. And, you know, Tim talk about how the guys have finished off the season. Again, it's the schedule, like you talked about earlier, who they're playing. They're not playing good teams, and they should beat these teams. And it's unfortunate we're in this position, again, like last year, and we have to talk about, wow, they're playing great against bad teams. Who cares about that? Play great earlier in the year. Don't have six-game, five-game losing streaks. Like, so to me, that's just kind of like GM, coach speak or whatever, just just you know, filling the airways to fin- finish his last game, and um, who knows whether he'll be the GM or whatever he's going to be, director of – football operations, director of the Ryan Pace Center, who knows what he's going to be after this wow. game. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't take much out of that, Molly. I really don't. I, I just Do, do I, you? Do you take much out of uh, it? No. No. I, you know, listen, the guy never talks. I mean, he's the anti-Joe uh, Judge. He never speaks, so he's <laughs> never held accountable for anything. You know, most of the, the general managers that have been through this town, at some point or other, they want you to know what their plan is. Yes. They want they want a layout. They want a certain amount of um, of sort of uh, a, a relationship where they can lay out and explain. Well, we were thinking this, and we did this because of that. He's just never done that, and he's never talked to anyone. And I, I get it. A lot of people feel like the general manager shouldn't speak. It's just that when a guy like Theo Epstein comes into town. And he is about as transparent as I've ever seen anyone and explains exactly what they're going to do. And then he does it. Mm-hmm. That, that takes everything to a different level. And, and Ryan Pace is no Theo. I, I never was trying to suggest that. But who is he? Guy's been here seven years, and I don't feel like I know who he is at all. I, I don't feel like he's divulged very much at all. I thought even when they had to do the, the, Zoom, uh, the Zoom draft, you got to see Matt Nagy in his basement with his BU sheets right, all right. plastered around. And you knew that's who he was. Oh, I'm so proud of me putting this together and that. I just want to be in my favorite room surrounded by me being myself. And this is how I got here. And I'm going to have a hard time giving up play calling. And you knew that. Yep. I don't know that I have any idea about Matt Nagy, or excuse me, Ryan Pace, after seven long years of his reign. I'm not saying that Jerry Angelo was the answer, but how often did he speak? It's, it seemed like he spoke a lot more because I always remember reading articles and, you know, he'd always, you know, water off a duck's back. Or he always had quotes, but did he speak? Did he have something where he'd speak once a month or something like that? Or was it, 
I don't know. It just seemed like he spoke more. Is that correct or not? He was available. I mean, yeah, if you had a, if that, that, it was more like that. If you had a real serious question, he he was available. As was you know, um, Greg and Bobby and like the people around him. You know, you, it wasn't difficult to get direction. They weren't trying. They weren't obfuscating. If that makes right. any sense. No, it, it does. Yeah. And it just felt like me as a player that he had, like you talked about direction. Like he had. You, you kind of got a sense that he was in charge and he had a direction of our team. And I just don't feel that way with Ryan Pace. And, um, yeah, it just, seems, it just seems odd. It does seem very odd that you never get to hear from him. He doesn't talk much. Yeah, it is odd. And, and, I, and again, I think it has something to do with accountability. I, I think that he doesn't really want to be held accountable for whatever it is that he's doing. And, and the amazing thing about the Bears is – this whole thing happens where, uh, you know, the report comes out from Mark Conkle that, uh, that Matt Nagy is going to be fired. And then there's silence. And Nagy is the guy in front of the media, and he's kind of No, 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 no. Chris Tabor was. They put Chris Tabor out there Oh, first. you're right. You're right. <laughs> you're right. Chris had it. He was the first guy. Oh, and my then, gosh. But then, then Nagy talked. You never heard from any of them. And then no. I guess a day and a half later – George spoke to the team, and word got out that way. And then on the weekend, there were reports from national guys kind of shooting it down. They let that they let that guy twist in the wind for a couple days, right? Yep. And and yep. you know it, it's and then they acted as if oh there was nothing to that. There was a, he didn't even know he didn't know if he was in or out or what his mm-hmm. status was. And you could tell by the way he was operating. And and I I, I got to tell you, I just think that. Um, that we're going to go through another one of these things. If, if indeed this is accurate, that they're going to fire Matt Nagy and they're going to bring back Ryan Pace, we're going to go through another one of these news conferences where we all just throw our hands up. And, and they don't have to face anyone. You know, they're on Zoom, so they'll, right. put, they'll put three or four guys on Zoom and then they'll, you know, who knows – Oh, I'm sorry. We're we're having a problem. We can't understand what you're saying. The <laughs> screen will free. I mean, I'm just joking. But it's it's kind of, you know, they they bragged about the culture of the team, and then they got to the off season, and none of the players showed up. The defensive players yeah. sat out in mass at the voluntary portion of uh, minicamp, and that's when they had promoted, you know, the the coach from within to be the defensive coordinator. They couldn't even come out to support him. So at that point, you lose the ability to talk about your culture. You're just not allowed Mm -hmm. anymore to brag about your culture. They said on that Zoom conference last year that people around the league, oh, there's tons of people around the league that would love to have our culture. Give me a break. What a, what a, what a no, yeah, that, that, that to me was just head scratching and I did not like it at all. And I'm on record saying they should not have been back this year, but you're right. It's going to make the, the McCaskies or whoever out in front front of everybody, it makes it so much more comfortable in Zoom. I mean, we're doing a Zoom right now, and it's to have to give you or to give the media and the fans a true reaction of what you're doing or a true direction of where you're going to do it on Zoom, again, that just makes it easier for the McCaskies because they get to control it a little bit more, right? Right. Whoever's next for the next question. Like exactly. that little just way that it just right. – uh, it's like they're almost lucky to have it happen that way, but I just, it just, it's tomorrow will be interesting to see what happens with Ryan Pace. That's the one thing because you're right. If they bring him back, he is the tone setter of the team. If he's the director of football operations, he's the tone setter of the team, and I don't like the tone he set. Okay, maybe it's comfortable to go to work every day. Great, but I want more wins. That's all that matters. 
what uh, what do you believe happens today? What are we? All right, I got see? an interesting one. Yeah, I got an interesting please. one for you. Since we didn't say a word about this matchup, I'm not even going to give my breakdown of how I think this game's going to work. I got a chance Friday night to go to this restaurant called Ingots down on just southwest of uh, Pilsen. Had a okay. couple beers at a bar down there. Met a guy named Rich. So we're talking the Bears and we're talking all this stuff and we're just talking. I'm like, so what do you do? He's like, well, I go to work, I drink beer, and I gamble. And I go, well, he goes, and I'm really good at gambling. I'm like, all right, I like the style. So we're talking bears and all that stuff. I'm like, well, help me with my pick. So this is Rich B's pick from this bar down there that I was hanging out with. 31 to 17 bears. And I guess he has killed it this year. He said he's doing fantastic. And I said, why? And he said, because they are going to play for Matt Nagy today. He doesn't think they're going to play for Zimmer. Just after watching that Green Bay game last week against the uh, – the Vikings versus them, but yep. he thinks this is going to be the outlier for some darn reason. They're going to score 31 points. So I'm going with Rich's pick. And I, Rich, I enjoyed having beers with you on Friday night. So I appreciate your pick and getting me out of uh, trying to break down this game. That's fantastic. Um, <laughs> but that's a really interesting point because I, I don't think Mike, Mike Zimmer is as popular among his team that's as wh- Matt Nagy may be among his team. And, that and was again, his breakdown. And that's a good that's a good breakdown. But mm-hmm. I gotta tell you, uh, if you if you manage to beat a Seahawks team that has pretty much lost its season and fallen apart, and they don't really seem to, uh, you know, they, you had to come back to do it, but they let you stay in that game. They never put it away. And then you beat the Giants, and then you go up, and a recently eliminated Minnesota doesn't doesn't come to play. Does that mean anything to you at all? I mean, I, I, it just doesn't mean much to me. What happens in this game? I'm more interested in the post game. I, I'll watch it and and I'll you know I want to watch Roquan and I know that in two weeks I'm going to be aching for more football and I'm going to wish the <laughs> Bears were playing and you know as as much of a grind as this season has been just getting to the finish line, it's been also a lot of fun and I love watching football and and it's really good to have like a local rooting interest and and and, and you know the Bears I, I think that. You know this that that if you cover a team, you want them to do well because it makes the it makes the year more oh, interesting. It makes the players so more, more available. It makes everything yes. more fun. And and I don't think you realize that when you're playing, you kind of you buy into the whole circle, the the the, uh, the the wagons and everybody. It's only the guys in this team that believe in us. That's really not the case. There's just it just makes life easier for everyone if you're winning, and th- and it's been it's been horrible for a couple of years. It's been horrible since 2018, yeah. uh, frankly. And and whatever it is they tapped into that year, they have not been able to do it again, as is evidenced by the turnover bucket. I think that's got to be the greatest uh, <laughs> idea. Let's have a turnover bucket. Hey, hide the turnover bucket. Uh, awesome stuff. But I ended up taking Minnesota to win the game just because I think they've got more talent. I think yeah. they got some really good offensive talent, and I think the Bears struggle to score. Who knows? We'll find out. It'll be uh, – It'll be the secondary story after the game ends. But we'll be back here, Patrick. As you well know, we've got an hour and a half. We'll be as soon as the game ends, jump in, and we'll be here talking about it. We'll take your phone calls. We'll get your opinions on what you're seeing. And who knows? Maybe we'll all be wildly entertained this afternoon. That's the dream. I hope so. Want to thank everyone connected to the program. We, of course, broadcasting through the score Hyundai Studios. Want to thank the local Hyundai dealers. Want to thank Cesar Perez for his great work today. Great job, Cesar. We will talk to all of you after the game. Come right back here. 
It's the place to be. This is, of course, the pregame show with Olin and Patrick presented by Bet Rivers, the official sports book of the Chicago Bears. Download that Bet Rivers app today. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.